Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 18, and this is the Word of God. But I have used none of these things, and I'm not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am, I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Confused? <laughs> Paul, what in the world? Well, let's check it out. Let's ask the Holy Spirit for help. Uh, dear Father in heaven, please, um, please grant your church, Emmaus Church, understanding of your word. Uh, we need you, Lord. Every hour, we need you. And we need you now. And be with us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Um, a few years ago, the uh, Emmaus youth group went on a mission trip to Jamaica. It was awesome. Some of you that are here, I think, were on that, that trip. I just had a time hop come up on Facebook, and it was a picture of all of us um, at the airport, all wearing those Emmaus shirts with the giant logo. It was so cool. 16 of us, um, except Bruce Hall. Bruce Hall did not have one on, so uh, that really was disappointing to see that. Um, Bruce, Bruce was fun on the trip. He was one of those guys. Said, Bruce, come on. we got to work, man. Come on. Loves to talk. But we went to the uh, Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf, CCCD. Uh, CCCD. Hard to say all those Cs. But it's a deaf school in Knockpatrick, Jamaica. I think it was started like in the 1950s. Um, the deaf were really struggling in Jamaica. They're kind of throwaways in that society. So uh, this group of Christians started CCCD. And then they had a, another campus. They, they did a, I don't remember which campus was first, but they, they have one in Kingston, Jamaica. I've been to that one. Um, they have one in Montego Bay. I've been to that one. I've been to the one in Knockpatrick. And then they have, um, they have a deaf village in Mandeville, uh, Jamaica. So I've uh, been there too. We, we actually, our group went there and we went to church there at the deaf village. It was really cool. Um, but Knockpatrick is way way up in the mountains. <laughs> and uh, that ride up those mountains is not fun. I think, you know, it's one lane and you're just kind of hanging off, you know, and the roads are not that great. There's chickens and goats and cows and people and it's just crazy. It's like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, if some of you remember that from, from Disney World. But um, there, there are 138 deaf children up there at that school. And uh, we prepared for about a year you know, 16 of us. We were, we were quite a team. It, it took a lot of time. You, you know, you had to book everything way in advance, flights and all of that. And so people had to fundraise in advance. Uh, we had to <laughs> make sure we had the luxurious dorms at CCCD. <laughs> you know, passports and all of that. You know, when you tell people to get a passport, you're going to need a passport. And it takes time to get a passport. You know, what do you think they do? They procrastinate. You know, so there were all these deadlines we had. and uh, We had to learn sign language. Um. And, of course, once you get there, the kids just, they just charge you and start signing. And you're like, wait, what? Slow down. And um, 
to grab you and they hug you and they, you know, they just love that you're there. It's really, really incredible. But we had to do fundraising. We did, I don't even know, we did car washes, we did yard sale, um, odd jobs, just working and scraping together the money, the money to be able to go. Uh, we brought a lot of supplies with us. You know, they need a lot of stuff up there in the mountains. It's hard to get supplies up there. Even our shoes and boots and the clothes that we brought, they asked, hey, can you just leave your clothing? You know, when, you know, pack a bunch of stuff that you're going to wear and then just leave it when you leave because we could really use it. And we put on VBS there. We did Vacation Bible School. We did crafts. Um, Ramsey taught, head chef at Disney, Ramsey taught, as part of our church, he taught, uh, they have a culinary arts school there in the high school. And he, he taught culinary arts. How cool is that? And um, anyway, we did concrete work. We did fence repair. I was doing fence repair with Joel Adams. You know, we're like hanging off this cliff, like trying to repair this fence and all this digging. I mean, it was such hard work. It was rough. It took a year of preparation. It took a ton of fundraising. And what was our reward? To offer all of this to the children of Jamaica free of charge. You know, if someone would have walked up to us and said, I'll give you each $10,000 to go to Jamaica and work at CCCD for a week, it would gut us of our reward, wouldn't it? Our reward to offer our services and the love of Christ free of charge to the deaf children of Jamaica. It would, if someone just paid us to do that, it would remove our boast, as Paul would say, or our glorying in Christ. Of course you went to Jamaica and did all of that work. Who wouldn't? I mean, they paid you ten grand, And didn't you get a trip to Wyas Falls? Didn't you go to a waterfall one day? Yeah. It was just like a vacation, wasn't it? Well, this is what Paul's saying in this passage about preaching the gospel. I have a right to be paid. You know, he spent the whole chapter making that case. I have a right to be paid, but I don't want it. It's my pleasure and great reward to me to preach the gospel free of charge. So let's take a look at this passage. I have three points. Paul's preaching clarification. Paul's preaching motivation. Paul's preaching expectation. Some alliteration going on there. Um, but Paul's preaching clarification. You know, he, he clarifies. He's like, you know what? I have a right to be paid, and I should be paid, and I'm very good at what I do. But let me clarify. I don't want it. So that's his preaching clarification. His preaching motivation. Well, then what is your motivation, Paul? It's that I'm compelled to do this. And then finally, is his preaching expectation. What, what reward does he have? And that's where he says, you know, my reward is to be able to do this for free. So let's look at those three points. First one, Paul's preaching clarification. Verse 15 says this, 1 Corinthians 9, 15. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things, so that it will be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. I just can't believe it. He gets to the end of this whole thing and says that. I have used none of these things. I have not taken advantage of any of my rights that I have to compensation. Um, Interesting chapter. I mean, earlier in the chapter, he said, you know, I have a right to food and drink. I have a right to room and board. I have a right to take a believing wife and have her expenses paid for as well. I have a right to refrain from working outside of the church. I have a right to not have to have a second job. These are my rights in the gospel. Um, And then he he summarizes, we looked at these verses last week, 13 and 14, with this, 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple 
And those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. So he goes back to the law of Moses. He's like, you know, the priests and the Levites, they get paid. They get compensated for what they do. They can eat all of this food. They're totally taken care of basically by the church, by God's people. Then he goes on, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. He's like, Old Testament, New Testament, the Lord commanded this, the Lord Jesus. It's really his climax about compensation. The Lord Jesus directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But let me clarify, I have used none of these things. I mean, he drives this point home. Remember, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. You know, all those things that he, he said about farmers and the, the, the person that plants should expect to eat from the vineyard and all of that stuff. Drink the milk from the herds, on and on and on. <laughs> I've used none of these. I have every right to be compensated by the church, but I'm not going to take it. I'm not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. This is a principle that has been around since the law of Moses for ministers to be paid by God's people, and a principle that continues in the church. Paul's saying, I'm making the case for others. For all the preachers of the gospel in the first century and beyond. This is a key principle. I'm not saying I want compensation personally. You know what I said? I would rather die. Wow. Wow. You know, when Paul's writing, you can see sometimes he, get, he, he had to be a very emotional person. I cannot wait to meet this, this guy. And, you know, he's writing this. He's, I'd rather die. I'd rather die than have any man steal my boast. I'd rather die than have any man steal my glorying in the gospel. It's probably a better translation, just a hard word to say. I would rather die than to have someone be able to say, I did this for the money. I'm not giving my detractors any ammunition to be used against me. I'll make tents. How can this guy, I mean, he's planting all of these churches. He's writing all of these letters. He's preaching in synagogues. He's traveling around. He's he's doing all this stuff. And, uh, and then he has a tent-making business so that he has income so that he has, doesn't have to take money from the church. I don't understand people like this. You might know uh, people or someone or you know, people like this that can just do so many. They have to, actually, some of them. I worked for Greg Arnett, who started Oakley Sunglasses, started Arnett Sunglasses. And while he's doing that, he's um, designing airplanes. He's designing you know, seaplanes, and he's designing helicopters, and he's flying helicopters for the sheriff's department. He's just, I mean, just on and on and on and on. This guy, I'm like, do you ever sleep? How do you do this? That's the way Paul is. He can just, he just needs to be doing things. I guess he can, he has the bandwidth to be able to do all of this, have this business while planting all of these churches and ministering and handling all the problems at Corinth and other churches. Unbelievable. And, and dealing with the Judaizers as they come into Galatia and these other churches and try to destroy what Paul's already done and defending himself. I mean, it's just incredible. I'm not interested, Paul is saying, in my own advancement. I'm interested in the advancement of the gospel, 
the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. It's a very powerful message that has changed the world and can change the world right now. This is Paul's preaching clarification. Preachers absolutely should be compensated, but he says, but not in my case. I don't want it. I'd rather die. So if Paul's not motivated by money, what is his motivation? And that's the second point, Paul's preaching motivation. It says this in verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. A motivation, Paul is saying, is compulsion. I am compelled to preach the gospel. There's nothing I can do about it. I know this, I know this feeling. Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote a book, he wrote a lot of books, preached a lot of sermons, of course, probably the greatest preacher that ever lived, but he wrote a book, and I'm very grateful that he wrote it, um, and the name of the book is Lectures to My Students, and it's lectures uh, compiled that he gave to his preaching students, and uh, one of the things that he said in there that really helped me when I was trying to um, assess my call to ministry, he said, if you can do anything else, Do it. That's how you know if you're called. Um, because when you're called, you can't do anything else. It's the weirdest thing. It's like you're, you have this compulsion, this overwhelming, I don't even know, sense or power over you. And I was making a lot of money back in the 90s. And I tried to, I thought, well, God, maybe you're just... You just want me to be a businessman and just fund the church, just give money to the church. And I tried to, I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. And I, uh, I walked away from full-time ministry, or I shouldn't say full-time ministry, I walked away from my job as a minister at Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church for about nine months. After, just after a few months, I realized, I can't do it. Paul's saying, you know, in reality, actually, I really, I really can't boast at all. I have to preach the gospel. It's a fire inside of me. Um, Jeremiah spoke of this. Jeremiah 29 says this, But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more of his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. That's it, you know, and that's what Paul's talking about. I had a private conversation with, with uh, my Greek professor when I was at seminary, you know, and we were just talking. I said, man, I feel like I have this, like, this volcano inside of me or something. Like, ah, I just have to proclaim the gospel. I, I just, it's all I can think about, and I can just feel it. And then he, um, he gave me my charge at my ordination service, and I told him this in a private conversation, and then he got up and he told that story, you know, and I was kind of like, eh, Dr. Hill, come on, man. Like, that was between you and I, but, but that's what it feels like. Amos says it this way, Amos 3.8, the lion has roared, so who isn't frightened? The sovereign Lord has spoken, so who can refuse to proclaim his message? Paul says, 
For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me. The greatest misery imaginable in the Bible. That's what the prophets would say. Woe is me. Remember Jesus said that to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul must preach the gospel of salvation. And of course, in his... In addition to his compulsion, he was commissioned by Christ himself. Paul speaks of his interaction with Christ before King Agrippa. And I read this either last week or the week before, but it's very, very important. Um, this is Paul speaking. And then, of course, he quotes Jesus. And those, those words would be in red in your Bible. But this is Acts 26, 15 through 18. And I said, this is Paul, who are you, Lord? And then, by the way, that's the way salvation works. He comes into your heart and you're like, who, who are you? You know, what is going on? Who are you, Lord? This is after Jesus knocked Paul to the ground. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear or show to you, rescuing you from the, from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, because they're going to try to kill you, <laughs> to whom I am sending you. And here's his commission. Here's, here's what he's supposed to do. I, I'm, to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Um, so that this message has the power to open their eyes, Jew and Gentile, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Do you, you know, this, this, this is the message that you have. It's the same message. It's the same commission to you. And it, this message has the power to take people from darkness to light, from Satan to God. This is the remedy for our culture. I keep saying it. Nobody says this is the answer. Turn on any news, watch any article, read any blog. They're never going to say this. It is Jesus. It's the message of the gospel. That's what will transform our culture. That's what will cause people to love one another. This is your commission too. And you may be saying, well, if, 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 only I had, if only I had this power, if only he said this to me, like he did Paul, he did. This is the Great Commission. This is right before Jesus ascends, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus is speaking to the 11. And he says this, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Praise God. Satan had it. Now Jesus has it. He took it from him. It cost him his life. He has the keys to death and Hades and everything else and all peoples. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because I have all of this authority, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Now catch this. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it's not just to the 11, it's to us. 
Has the end of the age happened? No. Paul's motivation for preaching? Compulsion and commission. Jesus told him what, what the power of this message would do, and we have this message as well. So anyway, let's, let's move on to the third point. Paul's preaching expectation or, or Paul's reward. I actually had the, the point, Paul's preaching reward, but I was like, clarification, motivation, reward. No, got to get a better word. Expectation, there we go. And then, you know, clarification, motivation, expectation. I don't, you know, I take time when I think about this stuff. But reward would be more accurate. <laughs> Paul's preaching expectation, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 9, 17, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward, but if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. This is a weird verse and difficult to interpret. One of the things I really love is um, reading Bible commentators when, when they're confused. It's hilarious because you would think they would like dig down and really try to uh, you know, figure out the, the passage or the, you know, the, um, the verse, but they're, they're very aloof and non-committal. I'm like, wait, you didn't say anything. I must have read six commentators on this verse trying to figure out, anybody, anybody got this? But basically, Paul is saying, is saying this. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. If I were just motivated, if I were just self-motivated, basically, If this were just a job, I would deserve to be paid. But I have no choice in the matter. When he says against my will, he's basically saying my will is overridden. Not like I don't want to preach the gospel. I'm doing it against my will. No, God has overridden my will. It's what I want to do. I did make the choice, but he put that on my heart. He changed my will, in other words. God entrusted this to me. Therefore, my reward is to be able to do what he's called me to do without taking money from the church. I'll work 10 jobs. I don't care. I'm not taking a dime from the church. I don't want anybody to be able to say I'm doing this for money. Verse 18. Last verse, 1 Corinthians 9.18. What then is my reward that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel? What, what then is my reward? What is my preaching expectation? Uh, what's my pay? My reward, my pay, is to offer the gospel without charging anyone. This is why I don't use my full rights to compensation. My reward is to be able to travel across the Caribbean Sea and go to the deaf children of Jamaica and bless them with the gospel at no charge. And I'm not going to let anybody take that away from me. You see that? Um, Years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was, maybe close to 20 years ago, I met a man who uh, was a retired uh, surgeon. And I met him at church. Uh, He was very, very wealthy. Of course, a retired surgeon. Um, Surgeons, I hear from nurses and some people who have had some serious surgery, have a God complex. They think they're God. Well, anyway, 
I didn't think much of it. He being wealthy, I mean. He was wealthy because he got paid a lot of money for doing surgeries. And I mean, sure, that helps people. Praise God for surgeons. But as I got to know him, I found out that he had traveled all over the globe to third world countries and performed thousands of surgeries at no cost. All of a sudden, I thought of him in a whole different way. I I no longer thought of him as just a rich doctor. I thought of him as a man who was profoundly changed by Jesus Christ and wanted to spread the gospel at no charge. I would encourage you and challenge you to share the gospel at no charge. It's scary, isn't it? Especially nowadays. It's almost like whatever you say is wrong. You know what I mean? People are going to pounce on you and tell you that you're wrong and a jerk and all of this stuff. But I would encourage you and challenge you to share the gospel at no charge, with no expectation, just out of love for your Lord and for your neighbor. If you're afraid, remember what Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Father, give us that fire in our bones. Give us that compulsion. Give us that courage. And give us success as we seek to be your ambassadors in this world. Our nation needs you badly. And we... uh, And we're the ones with the message. Our nation has kicked you out and wondering why it's crumbling. But Lord, use us. May revival sweep through the United States of America. May you use your people to turn this country from darkness to light, from Satan to God. You who dwell in these jars of clay, Lord. Use us, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.